I'll praise you to Allah, may Allah's peace and blessings and the glad Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and then all those who follow the path of righteousness until the last day. The topic of uh, this afternoon's presentation is that of salvation and repentance. And this topic though it is not often talked about in Muslim circles, many of us who come from Christian backgrounds are quite familiar with it. The idea of salvation is central to Christian dogma or theology. It's the reason why, according to them, God became man to die for man's salvation. So it's a very central principle in Christianity. I mean, it's the whole essence of Jesus being God and Jesus becoming an object of worship for Christians. In Islam, actually, the concept of salvation is also a very important concept, a very important principle, which is linked with the principle of repentance. Different from Christianity in that repentance is the root to salvation. For Muslims, we have no intermediaries, no one can save us, salvation is in our own hands. So the principle of repentance and salvation is fundamental to the system of Islam. It is very on human weakness, the impossibility for man to become perfect. That is, we have been given certain responsibilities along with the blessings that Allah has bestowed on us as human beings. However, the fulfillment of these responsibilities in the fullest sense completely is impossible. We as human beings will have failings. Allah has created us with a free will and one of the consequences of the free will is our errors, human failings. However, Allah has provided for us a route by which we can atone for these failings. He has provided for us a door to salvation through repentance 
from these sins which are inevitable for, for us to commit. And he has done so because when we commit sins and seek Allah's forgiveness and Allah is merciful to us, then his attribute of being the most merciful is manifest. That is, this quality of committing sin and repenting is a means that Allah has chosen and He could take any means that He wishes. So the manifestation of His mercy. And I'm not saying that, you know, as a philosophical point, but that this is actually based on the statement of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu which he said that if mankind didn't come with sin, and this is in Sahih and turned us to Allah in repentance, then Allah would have destroyed mankind and replaced them with another people who would commit errors, turn back to Allah in repentance, and He would have mercy on So this is from the words of the Prophet Muhammad himself. When we look at the story of Adam, alayhi salam, we see really that the essence of that story is one of error, repentance, and salvation. That is the core of the story. I know some people may take Adam and Eve in symbolic senses wherein they will give a variety of interpretations as to who Adam really represented and who Eve represented and what the error was and what the tree was, etc., etc. But these interpretations are not founded in the teachings of the Prophet Muhammad And as such, we should avoid them. We believe that Adam and Eve were the first two human beings. We can see from this great story that Allah has provided them with certain knowledge that due to their human weaknesses they disobeyed Allah committed sin of eating from the forbidden Jews. However, Allah provided them with knowledge of how to attain salvation. So they turned back to Allah, asking His forgiveness, and He forgave them. Furthermore, Adam became the first prophet among men. 
And not only was he forgiven, but he was given the post of prophethood. Something which has been given to a very few among mankind. So, for us, there was no original sin. In the sense that the error of Adam and Eve ended with that. He's not inherited in any way, faith or sin. However, the essence of the story is there for us to learn. That when we commit errors, we should turn back to Allah in repentance. And if we do so sincerely, then He will forgive us. That's the end. And this is very, very important for us as Muslims, in that if we do not make it a regular part of our lives, daily, after every prayer, every jumah, or in the various other acts of worship we do, like Umrah, or Hajj, fasting. If we don't make it a part of regularly seeking Allah's forgiveness, then it is easy for our hearts to become hardened. When we have committed so many errors, we feel that there is no hope for Allah's forgiveness, and as such we fall into the depth of transgression and evil. So it is a principle which is really essential for us to maintain and to develop our spirituality. Because the principle of committing errors and seeking repentance for the errors, doing good, this principle is there for human development. Actually Allah, as we know, does not need for us to turn to Him in repentance. It is we who need to turn to Him in repentance. So Allah has placed this principle in our lives for our benefit, whereby we as human beings, when we commit errors, and we realize these errors, and we turn back to Allah, seeking sincerely His forgiveness, then we become better people. This is a process of, or a principle in the process of the spiritual development of the human being. And the more he turns in repentance, the better person he becomes. Because the Prophet says, Kulli Adam All of Adam's descendants are continually committing errors. And the best of those who commit these errors are those who turn back frequently to Allah in repentance. So, this is a principle for us. That we need to be turning back to Allah regularly, sincerely, for the protection of our souls and for our spiritual development. 
However, when we talk about repentance, the seeking of forgiveness, commonly people tend to think of it in terms of saying, Astaghfirullah. I seek forgiveness from you, Allah. And this becomes a ritual which is done on the fingers with the tongue, wherein people will be almost nervously going through this finger movement, very rapid finger movement, and trying they have a particular number, 100, they want to complete, you know, and get on with their business. But we need to stop and think, is this what Islam is described for us? Is this really of any benefit to us? I mean, if we're doing it, the end of the Salah was We've been told to repeat the praises of Allah. But is this what is meant by? I don't know. I don't know. Whatever we say of Allah's praises, it should come from our heart. It was first with our tongues, and it may involve our fingers, but it should come from our heart. It should come with reflection. Being conscious of what we are saying. So it has real meaning. And it can have a real effect. After looking over many of the various texts from the Qur'an and the Sunnah, Muslim scholars have identified certain conditions which are necessary for repentance to be truly sincere and acceptable to Allah. These conditions are found within the text of the Qur'an and the Sunnah. They are not things made up by certain individuals who consider themselves to be spiritual doctors. We have people around who claim that they are doctors. They can look at you and see what your problem is, and they will tell you what you need to do. You know, we have people like that, but what I'm speaking here now is of things which Allah has spoken about. This the Prophet Muhammad has identified as necessary for one to achieve true repentance acceptable to Allah. The first principle is one that we should remember Allah. It should involve the remembrance of Allah. Because in essence all of the worship that we do Every act of worship that we perform, it is ultimately to develop in ourselves 
a consciousness of Allah. It is for the remembrance of Allah. We find this in the description of fasting. Allah says that He has described it for us as He did for those before. لَحَلَّكُمْ تَسْتَقُونَ That perhaps you may become God-conscious. Allah also speaks about Salah, saying, أَقِمِ الصَّلَاةِ لِذِكْرِ Establish the prayer for my remembrance. And all the various acts of worship have this factor as, as its foundation. Why? Because it is in the remembrance of Allah that we become righteous individuals. It is in the forgetfulness of Allah that we stray. So the poor, because Islam wants us, or wants from us, righteousness, it wants us to become righteous individuals, then the core of the worship is there to develop in us this consciousness of God because it in fact is the essence of righteousness. It's the consciousness of Allah which makes us do good even though, even though we may feel that no one will know. There is no policeman or official to walk over it. But we will do right. We will be good anyway. If we are working on a job, we do our best. Not because we are trying to put on a show for the supervisor, our boss. You know, you have a, a work syndrome where people are hard workers whenever the boss comes to Whenever the supervisor comes, they are working like, you know, and as soon as the bath is gone, then you see them fall back into the work Well, this is what is on his way. He is doing his best at all time. Because he knows if he has signed a contract of work, that he will do so much to earn for himself so much. Then for him not to do that and take that money is haram. Simply, it is haram. And we know what Sallallahu said about the individual who raised his hand begging of Allah that his food was haram. His clothes were haram. Allah doesn't answer his So for a Muslim, he does his death. He does what he has committed himself to because of his fear of Allah. 
This is what separates us from the rest of the world. The rest of the world, it does good whenever the forces of authority are around. I remember I visited New York City sometime in the 80s and there had been a blackout. You know, the electrical grid had uh, fallen. And New York City was plunged in darkness for two days. When I got there, it looked like Germany after World War II. Windows and stores were smashed, glass all over the street. Windows were boarded up and shot all over, all across the street. And they were showing on the television, because I came up the, the day after they got the Showing on the television, people have been, new people have been traveling with the television cameras and the, uh, their old floodlights and so on. They were recording people, you know, just driving up with their cars and smashing the windows. And it wasn't just the poor people. You know, it wasn't happening with the poor people. They were going to the supermarket, you know, getting the food and the, the rich people are also driving up with their Mercedes Benz. They're going to the first store, the diamonds, you know, the jewelry store, and they're knocking those up. Everybody gets Why? Because the police force, you know, stopped these to function. Everybody thought nobody was going to catch them now. Nobody could see them. So, all hell broke. That's the reality. It's not the way of the believer. The believer, his righteousness is based on his consciousness of Allah. He knows that whatever he does, he will have to answer to Allah about it. There is an account coming. So, the beginning of, right, of repentance lies in the remembrance of Allah. And there is a verse in the Quran where Allah speaks to this factor directly. He says, وَالَّذِينَ إِذَا فَعَلُوا فَاحِشَةً أَيْغَلَمُوا أَنْفُسَهُمْ ذَعَرُوا اللَّهِ فَاسْتَرْفَرُوا لِذِنُوبِهِمْ Those who having done some shameful or having wronged their own soul. Remember Allah and immediately ask forgiveness for their sins. They do error. Allah describes these are the believers. These are the believers Allah has described here. Who commit errors, but when they do so, they remember Allah. And when they remember Allah, they turn back to Allah seeking His forgiveness. What is he saying also is that when we turn back to Allah, we are not doing so to impress anybody. We are turning back to Allah because we have remembered Him 
and he seeks he gives. The Prophet Muhammad had said in a hadith collected in Sahih Bukhari, whoever informs others about his good deeds, who will get paid or does them in public for a claim, will be exposed by Allah. So, when we turn to Allah, we don't do so to impress others, to show others how pious we may be. This is why the Prophet has said that the best of prayers outside of the compulsory prayer are the prayers done in the middle of the night. Why? Because you can't be impressing anybody there. You're all by yourself. If you get up then and pray, it's all before. But this is your best effort. Unfortunately, most of us miss this opportunity. Then it's one of us to his prophet, that this is the best effort. It means that this, these are the prayers which have the greatest reward. The best prayers for us. So it's very important for us to utilize this type of information that the Prophet Muhammad has provided for us. And to turn to Allah in repentance in the time when we are closest to Him. The time when there is no one to impress. The second principle is that of immediacy. That is, you don't come up with sin and then you wait and you wait before you turn back to Allah and you tend You know, you commit the sin, but you enjoy the, the pleasure which comes from that sin for a while until it wears off and then you decide, okay, now no, it's time to turn back to Allah. This is not sincere repentance. This is just a game. You think somehow Allah is not aware of what you're doing. There is no sincerity there. This is why Allah says, In the Tawbah, on Allah, لِلَّذِينَ يَعْمَلُونَ السُّورِ بِجَهَالَةٍ ثُمَّ يَتُوبُونَ مِنْ قَرِيبٍ Surely Allah will forgive those who do sins in ignorance and soon turn in repentance. مِنْ قَرِيبٍ they don't wait. Very quick. And Allah has said elsewhere, Sari'u ila ma'firatim min rabbikum. Hasten in a race of forgiveness from your Lord. Don't wait. Whenever you commit an error, turn back to Allah immediately. Actually, what we do when we delay 
besides the factor of enjoying the pleasure of the sin, we are in fact believing that we know the future, that you will have time to turn back. You see? And in fact, the law will know the future. You don't know when you're going to die. So we should never keep off turning back to Allah, believing, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it later. Never. Because we have no guarantee. So Allah said that only those who feel safe from Allah are those who are lost. If we commit errors and we feel safe, we don't feel worried, fearful, we are in a state of loss. Something really very important for us to reflect on. To think about. How many times we commit an error and we just keep on going? Stop for a while. Keep on going. The fearfulness is not there. The third major principle is that of cessation. Cessation meaning that you cease and desist. Stop. You stop immediately. You cannot be committing a sin and continue to do the sin and turn to a lie for forgiveness. This doesn't come together. Not to stop. Because as long as you continue to do it, then you are you have become deliberate in your disobedience. If you are not certain the previous book that I mentioned, who do error the jahalat. Deliberate. You know, we're human. In ignorance, we do this wrong. You know, error, we forgot, and we did it. But now, when the sin becomes a deliberate sin, where you plot and you plan and you do it and you continue to do it, see, then, this is an expression of a hardened heart. One that has virtually no hope for forgiveness. We have to look at that Because of course when Allah is telling us this stuff, when He's telling us this in the Quran, when the fact that Allah Ta'ala relates to us, these are things for us to reflect on, to improve the quality of our worship. So we have to give it up. Allah describes the believers saying, when I receive room, وعلى ما فعلوا ولم يسروا على ما فعلوا وهم يعلمون أولئك جزاؤكم مغفرة من ربهم 
And those who do not knowingly persist in the wrong they have done, for them is a reward of forgiveness from their Lord. They do not knowingly persist in that wrong. We are conditioned. Otherwise, we do not attain forgiveness for that sin. Now, if a person, for example, is drowning in rivers, he is dealing in ocean. One of the major things It seems so grave that Allah and His Messenger has declared war against those who do not give it up. So grave that the Prophet Muhammad has said that its interest has 70 branches. The fruitfulness of the branches is like a man having sex with his mother. So, it's not to say that Islamic law if you commit the sin of dealing with riba, the law says that you must be taken and stoned or beaten, you know, as you would be if you were caught having sexual relations with your mother. No, this is not what the Prophet is comparing here. What he is comparing is a consciousness whereby the individual who it is suggested to, somebody suggests to you to have relations with your mother, you're repulsed. You feel sick to your stomach. The idea is tortured. Stop, little one. The same way that you're repulsed, which is so repugnant to you, when somebody suggests you let's go down the bank to take out this bank alone, that's the same way you should feel. This is the point. That's the same way that you should feel. And if you don't feel that way, then there is something wrong with your faith. If you don't feel sick to your stomach, to the idea of going to the bank and dealing with interest, then there is something wrong with your faith. You do not fear Allah's declaration of war. You are among those who are lost. There are certain sins, if we commit them, we cannot achieve salvation, atonement, unless we do certain acts. Among them is if we commit a sin against our brother, if we have cheated him, we have lied to him, we have dishonored him, backwitten him, we cannot turn to Allah and say, Allah, forgive me, and God covers this. No. You can turn and say to Allah that Allah has chosen, He has set a principle 
that he will not forgive you for the sins you commit against your brother. He will forgive you for sins you commit against him in your disobedience to him. But what you have committed against your brother, he will not forgive unless you ask forgiveness from your brother. You see, and the Prophet Muhammad Allah, you know, has said that on one occasion he asked his companions, Do you know who is a bankrupt person? You know, who is the person who is bankrupt? You don't know this person. He said, well, the person has no dinars or dirham. No pennies or pounds. Prophet Allah said, no. This is not the truly bankrupt individual. The one who is truly bankrupt is the one who comes before Allah on the day of judgment. With all his good deeds, thinking, I've made it. Done so many good things. I'm on this winning side. I'm guaranteed paradise. However, when he stands before Allah, people will come. And they will say, this individual, he struck me. He cheated me. He did this. He did that. He did the other. And to make up for what that individual did, they will take some of his good deeds. I'll stand it in the day of judgment, taking from the scale of good deeds that we take. And they will continue to come and take until his good deeds are finished. And then they will take from their evil deeds and put on his skin. And he will be thrown in hell. Because this is the one who is truly bad. So Allah has said in the hadith collected by Al-Bukhari also, whoever has wronged his brother with regard to his honor or anything else should seek his pardon now before the time when neither dinars nor dirham will be of any benefit. At that time, if he has good deeds, an amount of them equal to the wrong will be taken. But if he has none, sins from the wrong person will be put on him. So if we have committed an error against our God, we should turn to Him and ask His forgiveness. Express our sorrow, our wrongness to Him, feeling of wrongness, asking that He forgive us. And this is an area where many brothers go astray. Because it is one in which you have to struggle with the original sin, pride. The original sin for us is pride. It is the one which caused Satan, Iblis, who knew Allah better than you or I. But when he was commanded to bow to Adam, who is you? Say, 
and better than him. You made him from clay and you made me from fire. I am better than him. Pride. About which the Prophet said, None who has a mustard seed worth of pride in his heart will enter paradise. Pride is one of the things that is killing, destroying the good deeds. I hear it in different ways. I've experienced it here. People feeling proud because we are these people. I'm a Jamaican. You're only a Trinidadian. The truth is hated in the sight of Allah. It destroys our good deeds. And it breaks the rank of Muslims. You find Muslims polarizing into various communities. And this is the opposite of what Islam was about. Islam brought Muslims together, brought people together from various factors. We all know the stories about Salman and Farsi, Bilal, the Ethiopians, Shahid, the Romans. Romans. But these stories are just stories we read about, we enjoy, we tell our children, but we don't live. And our communities reflect it. And we can be certain that Islam will never be established here until the national, racial, tribal division which exists in the hearts of the Muslims is removed. It will never be established. For sure. And this is what keeps a brother back. He does lie to his brother. It is pointed out to him. But he can't go back to that brother and say, I am sorry. He's too proud. Too much. Yet the Prophet said that none of you who handles himself to his Muslim brother does so without Allah elevating him. The elevation the superiority of soul and of spirit comes in true humility. But 
most of us have missed the message. Most of us have missed the message. The next principle or condition and uh, that's just about the last one. Actually there are two more but in order to give you all an opportunity to ask some questions before we run into the prayer of Maghreb, I will try to just cut it short. The next principle is that of sorrow. Sorrow. That we must feel sorry. Feel sadness. Having done something wrong, we turn to Allah. We have to feel sadness within ourselves. We have to feel truly sorry. It has to be there. Otherwise, that training isn't real. It is just a ritual. That sadness is one of the core principles of repentance. This is what Prophet has said in a hadith collected by the Imajah, which is authentic, authenticated by Nasruddin al-Bani in the book Sahih Sunan al-Imajah. I came with my father to Abdullah and heard him say, I heard Allah's messenger say, remorse is repentance. My father asked him, did you actually hear the prophet say, remorse is repentance? He replied, yes. Remorse is repentance. It is the essence of repentance. Remorse has got to be there. When the remorse is there, this is a product of being aware of Allah. It's an expression of God's involved in corruption. And he is thinking somehow that, you know, in some way he can go home and, you know, go around the Kaaba and, oh, finish, cover it. <laughs> Doing of righteous deeds, this is when we have done some ill, we check ourselves, we stop doing it, we feel sorry about it, we turn to Allah, we try to do some good. Because we are now turned on, we are urged on to do good. This is when of value. The last major principle is that forgiveness is only acceptable if it comes before the soul reaches our throat. When the death rattle begins, and the man who when he realizes the death is upon him, he says, the Lord forgive me, you know, too late, too late. It will also be too late 
if the sun rises in the west, if you are living, if Allah is destined for us to be living at that time, if the sun starts to rise in the west, we are finished. No forgiveness is accepted at that time. This is one of the major signs of the ending of this world. The Prophet said, When three things appear, faith will not benefit one who has not previously believed or has not derived any good from his faith. The rising of the sun in its place of setting, the Antichrist and the beast of the earth. On another occasion he said, Allah will accept repentance of anyone who seeks it before the sun rises in the west. That's the end. I just wanted this to be brief, to give you an opportunity to ask some questions on the topic. This topic which is vital for every believer to understand not only intellectually, but to accept as a spiritual principle which is applies in his daily life. He constantly remembers Allah. Feeling sick and sorry for the ill that he does, giving up what Allah has prohibited, stop stopping whatever he realizes is wrong, turning back to Allah and striving his utmost not to repeat that thing. I should add that although Islam states, according to the statement of Prophet that Islam erases what came before it. In other words, if a person becomes a Muslim, whether having been a non-Muslim, in fact, he decided to choose Islam at a point in time, or having been a nominal Muslim, that is a Muslim written in his passport or his identity card, and realizing that this was not Islam and then he decides to choose Islam, these individuals who become Muslims enter into Islam, that act, that beautiful, righteous deed of entering into Islam, entering into faith, erases the sins that came before him, except those which involve the prophecies of others. If you try to Islam, rob the bank, and somewhere along the line you decided to accept Islam, but you still have the stash. You cannot accept Islam and say, well, okay, what came okay, before, and you know, continue on with your sash. No. You have to return that money. It is haram for you now. So where it involves the prophecies of others, that acceptance for repentance will not take place unless you return the prophecies of others. If you don't know, for example, you stole some stuff and it's in your house now, you don't remember, where did I steal it from? Who did I steal it from? Because <laughs> you were so busy in your past life, right? Then, this material that you have, 
you give it away to, uh, you know, the poor people who are needing it. Don't keep it. But as long as you keep it knowing that this is a status of your past, then your Islam is not right to know what came to you. You have to get rid of it. So inshallah I will stop here a few minutes before the event and uh, give anybody who has any questions they'd like to ask at this point a brief chat. Alaikum salam. Well, you know, Prophet Muhammad has spoken about this matter, the sale of haram items. He prohibited the sale of alcohol. He prohibited the sale of drugs. He prohibited the price of a prostitute. And the money is earned by a fortune teller. The general principle, if you have bought, for example, before Islam you like to collect artifacts. You know, you bought some Buddhas and other idols and stuff, right? You become a Muslim. It is prohibited for you to sell these idols. And it was out of some material for you to melt it down, you know, utilize the, the value of that material in itself, that's another situation. However, to sell these items, you, you know, uh, accepted Islam and you found in your house, you know, some bottles of alcohol. You know, you got some of the best. You gotta pour it down the drain. You can't even give it away. How long? The musical instrument, the musical instrument is prohibited. You know, when we say musical instrument, we talk about the class of prohibited instruments which involves wind and stringed instruments. And I just to clarify that. Those instruments are prohibited. You cannot sell them. And you can't give them over. If you did it before you asked the question, you're okay. But after you ask the question, you can't do it. The food is allowed. I mean, like, start talking. So, this is different. This is different. Uh, for needy people, I mean, you can pass it on to others. But, the sale of it is what we're talking about. The sale of these items, especially the ones which corrupt the society, corrupt its influence, goes beyond the individual. It is prohibited for us. I mean, that money, because what's happening is we're thinking that we're losing this money. We put all this money into these records now, you know, this money is gone, lost. No! If you destroy these records, the money is just lost. The value of the act that you have done has been, you know, blessed by Allah. Innumerable good deeds have been added to your side. 
No, repertoire is not around the cell in itself, because you can get records which have material which is halal. So the repertoire is a neutral instrument, right? You know? Like a television or a video, these are neutral instruments. They become haram when you put haram things on them. Right? So those type of things say, for example, because you know there's not too much halal stuff around to use with these instruments, so you say, rather than me keep it and be tempted to put some haram on it again, whether I sell it, alright. This is okay, because I said the instrument in and of itself is not haram. You have to get rid of them, brother. Yes, you have to get rid of them. Now, this is a question for those who didn't hear the question. If a person had stolen things of practical nature, like clothes, you know, they weren't into the impractical things. Uh, so, these things have to be gotten rid of. You're wearing something which is haram. It is the property of others. If you don't know who it is, or you've worn it so long now to take it back to the store, you know, it's just going to throw you in jail and, you know, uh, it's better, go give it to some uh, needy people, you know, etc. Don't, uh, don't keep it. Right. What is the case, money? In the case, right? What is the case, right? Or the money? Yeah? And, like, would it be incumbent on you, like, paying that money before going on title, enroll, and so on and so forth? Yeah. Uh, this is an issue. You know, if we owe money, especially money, for example, which involves debts of uh, interest, paying of interest, etc., prior to Islam, we come into Islam, these debts are still honored. Now, if you're Muslim, it's, it's obliged to fulfill his word. This is a contract we have signed and these monies are owed. We should fulfill this contract. If we're going to go on, on uh, Umrah or on Hajj, we, should, we have to get permission from them. Because this money that we're going to use is money which actually belongs to those people whom we owe these debts to. Before we can use that money for Hajj or Hajj of Worship, we have to get their permission. And they say, okay, go ahead because you have your plan, you're going to pay them up and so on and so on. So. And they say, okay, fine. But you have to get that permission, otherwise that money is haram for you to use in those books. You mentioned about the interest and the OCOT. Some people are saying that if you, get, if you have taken the interest, you can take it and give it to uh, some poor people who are not Muslim, and inshallah, uh, Allah is going to accept it. But you have to accept it if you accept What is the... Well, you know, Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu has said that four people are cursed equally in the sin of interest. One who gives, one who receives, one who writes the contract, and one who witnesses. One who gives is the one who receives. Once you have received it, whether you keep it or you give it to somebody else, you have received it. It is a very serious area. You know, I, I've heard this rationale, and there's a lot of people who hold it. Among them, people who are scholars. You know, 
The rationale is a rationale of logic. Why should we leave this money in the bank that is using it to support the World Council of Churches which is spreading Christianity and our Muslim brothers and they're supporting Israel and... This is logic. Rationale. Allah says that those who refuse to leave that with beyond the principle, Allah has declared war on them. And you're going to come now with logic. This is a serious, serious issue. If we have been prohibited, surely in the time of the Prophet Muhammad their interests are dealings which involve the Jews and, and others. But this allowance was not given. We were commanded to give up what remains to us of the interest. Leaving. We take our principles, we are not oppressed, and we do not oppress us. That is what is for us. This is what is clear. You know, the halal is clear, the haram is clear. Between them is that shady area, not really known except to a few. Whoever avoids the shady area has protected his religion and his honor. But whoever falls into the shady area, he falls into haram eventually. He's taking the interest and then giving it to the poor people. He keeps collecting the interest and giving it to these poor people. The temptation is going to come and say, I need it to do this. And he goes and uses it to do that. He's, he's, he's opening himself up to falling clearly into this thing. So, in my opinion, which is the opinion of many scholars also, that taking of the interest and giving it to others without the intention of seeking reward from the law for it or using it to make targets for the masjid or you know, things which are considered at most. This does not change the fact that we have taken the interest. And the Prophet has said such a person is cursed. So it's better for us to protect our religion and our honor and avoid the curse of Allah. With so many, you know, steps in institutions relating to the interest payments as well, how do you call for them? You are obliged to fulfill. Death, you should not be occurring any deaths after Islam which involves interest. I mean, that's the bottom line, really. If you have put yourself into that situation, and you try to extricate yourself as quickly as possible, seek a life forgiveness. I mean, you have committed a major sin. When the Prophet listed the seven major sins, and he started out a shirk billah. You know, what is in the same bag almost as committing shirk? Interest fucking there among the major sins.
Coming of the last hour, Prophet Muhammad did say that a wind would come and it would take the souls of all the believers. Okay? But whether it is rising of the sun, because rising of the sun is not the end of the world. It is among the signs. Right? So the point is that if it happens at that point, no forgiveness is accepted. This is a statement. It's a clear statement you know, from Bukhari Muslim. Clear statement on it. So we take it, you know, on the face value. In terms of the actual order, we know definitely it is before the end of the world. This is going to take place. But the rising of the sun could take place before the coming of the wind. Well, uh, the thing of death of that nature, I would say, probably you shouldn't. You know, that which is clear cut, you know, corruption. Uh, in terms of the individual who says that we don't follow hadith, such an individual, in my opinion, is one who is saying, I don't follow the sunnah. I don't follow Rasulullah ultimately. Because the sunnah is conveyed through hadith. Primarily it is conveyed through hadith. So if one denies the hadith, then he denies the sunnah. And when he denies the hadith and the sunnah, he is also, he, he's also heading for the Qur'an. Because the same people who brought the hadith, the statements and actions of the Prophet to us, are the same ones who conveyed the Qur'an to us. And this is why you found like Rashad Khalifa in America who brought this idea of 19 being the miraculous numerical miracle of the Qur'an you know, which became popular for a while until he started to claim that from this 19 and the multiples of 19 he was able to calculate the day of Yom Al-Qiyama when it was coming and people started to wonder about him and then from there he started to deny the Sunnah and after denying the Sunnah then he claimed that there were false verses in the Quran and after that he claimed Prophet and Alhamdulillah after that he was killed Well, this is not the end now, you know. If he didn't, I mean, the point is that Allah, has, you have returned to him seeking his forgiveness. Okay. Allah says, based on the sincerity of your intention, his mercy can cover now for that person's demand on the day of judgment. Because you have made that act. You see, the Prophet said, you should do this. He didn't say, if he forgave you, okay. No, he said, you do this. This is necessary for you to be, for you to attain a large mercy. So you tell him, yes, you may try to do one, they won't accept it. 
But the point is that, you know, the deeds are by their intention. See where that concept is silent here, right? By you turning back into their intentions for law, turning and asking it as a forgiveness, then Allah will cover for you on the day of judgment, you will be absolved of the error of that deed. If it's done, it's okay. Sometimes, I should mention, right, there are some errors that you may have committed which are of such grave nature that for you to tell your brother will create a bigger problem than a radiator. I mean, there are occasionally errors of this nature. Scholars, looking at this principle, have suggested that if the fitna which comes from you telling is greater than what she will solve by seeking his forgiveness, it is very better to keep it quiet. You know, you turn to Allah asking forgiveness, first for his protection on the day of judgment. Okay, uh, I think our time is, uh, we are on the verge of the event, but it's the last for us to stop at this point. So, inshallah, we will say, Subhanakallah, Bihamdika, Ashhadu Allah, Ilaha Lahan, we ask Allah to give us the spirit and the desire to turn to Him in repentance whenever we commit errors. To give us the courage and the strength to turn back to our brothers and ask for their forgiveness when we commit errors against them. And we also ask Allah to strengthen our faith and to allow us to die as believers. Amen.